2: exclusively on cbs all access a legend returns i have a mission there's not a hell of a chance for somebody to stop me patrick stewart in star trek picard now streaming only on cbs all access
1: Well, it's almost Valentine's Day and we have a little heart-to-heart
2: gift for you with this
1: fourth episode of our Star Trek Picard podcast and of course the fourth
2: episode of Star Trek Picard,
1: Absolute Candor.
2: We have a lot today. We have an awful lot, Dominic. Do you know how much we have today?
1: Tons. And we have and we have not just guests. But special guests.
2: We have special guests, uh, and we're going to talk about a lot. Uh, not only is there a lot on the screen with this episode, there's a lot behind the scenes that's really fascinating. We have Jonathan Frakes, uh, number one, is back this time in the director's chair instead of on the bridge. And of course, this episode is written by Michael Shabon, who's the showrunner and a Pulitzer Prize winner and O. Henry Prize winner, uh, and he has done himself a credit with this show i think we're guests that we have today alex kurtzman who's the executive producer of star trek picard and also uh we have kirsten Beyer, who is the co-creator of the show and supervising producer and then we have something special a little later don't we
1: yes we do we have of course if, if well let me stop if you haven't seen the episode yet the one that dropped about 14 hours ago on cbs all access i recommend you come back um but I don't think it's any spoiler to tell everyone that we know that Jerry Ryan is going to be part of Star Trek Picard, and Jerry Ryan, seven of nine, is joining us later in today's podcast, along with Jonathan DeArco, who plays Hugh, who you've seen in, introduced I think in episode three, we we saw him the first time, they're going to be talking a little bit about their characters and their reintroduction to this Trekverse. But before that, let's talk to Alex and Kirsten.
2: You know, one of the things that's most fascinating to me about uh, the Star Trek universe is is you have the Federation, and you have the Romulans, you have the neutral zone in between, uh, and you, of course, have the Klingons, Uh, what they all represent. Uh, To me, the Vulcans worship logic, and in a way, the Romulans worship lies, or at least subterfuge. Do you think that that, that's...
3: Yeah, I mean... The thing that was so great was the way Michael tried to get underneath all of that. Before we were even telling story, we were looking at the Romulans and going, how did they get this way? Mm. You know, how does a culture turn in on itself like that? And, you know, who hurt them, mm. you know? And, and so we've, we found an answer. And we built from there this mythology that ends up being so critical to the story we're telling.
2: And if you look at Michael's bookshelf, you know, uh, the, uh, the Yiddish Policeman's Union, I mean, it, it's, it's all about a culture... Yeah. that's that's insulated and and it's taken turns no one expects and has a secret history and things like michael that.
1: does secrecy well he really yeah. does it's almost we'll, like we'll
2: give him that he cultural chinatown well. it's like you know trying Whoa. to get to where what's the mystery behind all? Dennis yeah. that one
1: <laughs> 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 that's right thank you very much but that that is a you know part of this one i i feel like now that we're four episodes in i can kind of speak frankly about where where i feel this is at and, and look i'm i'm Partially with a fanboy hat on, but partially with an analytical hat on, is so a lot of this tale is starting to feel very poignant to the world we're living in. Mm-hmm. Very poignant, like no longer nipping around the buds or the ed- or around the edges of it or scraps from it. This is feeling like, oh, I've seen that in Syria, uh, coming out of Syria. I've seen this now. Um, is that a worry as well as a direction? It would
4: only be a worry if it weren't so beautifully written by Michael. That's the truth. I think there's a lot of ways to make something
2: uh,
4: that important feel really trivial with writing that's not as good. And the first draft that I read by Michael, which I... You know, I, I almost don't want to tell you. I think he wrote in like two or
1: three days. Um, was so. You know, when people hear that, they hate him. <laughs> they hate him. When you hear that, they're sort of like, Yeah, I locked myself in a hotel room for a weekend yeah, in Miami. Bang! It's, did it's it. Very annoying. One Oscar later.
4: Mm-hmm. It's very annoying. But it's but he's so good. And it was the the draft brought tears to my eyes because it was so emotional and it was yeah. so sad. And it's heartbreaking. Yes. It's
1: really heartbreaking because, uh, you know, you mentioned it in a, in a previous podcast about at one point, like you guys realized as you were getting a few episodes in script wise, like we have to show the attack on Mars, mm-hmm. like we have to show what happened here. Mm-hmm. And now it was like, we have to show the fallout mm-hmm. and the fallout is mega and meta mm-hmm. personalized obviously with a, with a, 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 protege who feels betrayed and a, a people who are displaced. It's a killer. Yeah,
4: I mean, you know, that's the thing is it is about the fallout. It, it is about this man who really did not. He, I, I mean, one thing we talk about, uh, you know, as, as we were breaking stories, like, what did he expect when he showed up? He clearly didn't expect that. Yeah. And when he, when he gets there and he's sort of like, hi, everybody, and no one's paying attention to him anymore. After the first time he landed there, everybody came running to him at his arrival. It, it's very sad. And, um, you know, obviously the saddest part is in his relationship with Elnor and how this boy really, it's Shane, right? He, yeah. he, he grew up and he, he you know, he come back and he didn't come back and, but now he's back. Um, and the idea that, you know, when we start talking about mythology, it really was Michael who came up with the idea of, uh, the, 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 the Romulan warrior sect, all, all women Never raised a boy before. The one boy who was raised by them. Um, what is the logic behind that? Why? Uh, what is the Quatmalat? Uh, what is? It, it, you know, mythologies are also one of his great, great talents. Yeah. And when we were early in the process of breaking story, we would we would sort of have these kind of really broad conversations about about like, well, what's the Quatmalat mythology? And then he would come back the next day, having written like. Eight hours from eight at night to, you know, whatever o'clock in the morning. And he would have pages and pages and pages of mythology. Like the whole pantheon. The whole pantheon. I mean, stuff that most people, it takes months if not years to think through, okay, what is the deep mythology here? Mm-hmm. And so by the time he was writing, a lot of that stuff had been worked out by him. And um, there's a beautiful tragedy to it. There's a real poignancy to Picard seeing it firsthand. There's the you know the, I think also the structure of the pr- seeing the promise get made then the promise get broken then the consequences. yeah totally
1: totally and and I think part of it too is I think there and I I think this I, I hate when people refer to actors as brave because I always think well you get paid you get dead. I mean it's like and <laughs> brave is digging a ditch in my in in Chicago in the winter but I do think that there is something about saying and we've talked about this a little bit about Patrick re- redressing the character is. I'm just going to deconstruct this like I'm going to I'm going I'm I'm going to turn this hero into into almost a villain. I mean, ultimately, if you look at the responsibility of what happened, it is a villainous act. It is the we walked away. We, we saw the trains leaving and went, you know what? Those kids will be fine. We're not going to they're sending them to some camp. They'll be fine. Right. We'll walk away because we have to deal with this other thing. And now you come back and one of those children is saying it wasn't fine. Wasn't fine at all. There was no fine in this at all, and he has to hold that. You're not a hero. you you any sense of who you think you are. You still don't get it. Rafi told you. Chris has kind of mocked you, like you know. But you just don't get it yet, do you, old man? Mm-hmm. And that's hard. And then you see an actor do that, and he's like, "Yeah, I have to play that guy. I have to play the guy you thought you loved. You don't love him so much
3: anymore." Yeah, Patrick. It, he it wasn't that he had to. He wanted to. Mm-hmm. That was the challenge. He. Threw down to us, and that he then so fully embraced in this. That's he wanted to show us sides of this character that otherwise we would never get to see.
2: And that's the Shakespearean facets, probably. I mean, his, sure. his his, his uh, extensive Shakespearean heritage, you know, uh, kind of comes across in the dynamics. It's this is not a very good comparison because Picard uh, um, hasn't done the things this other person has. But if you look at how people were viewed in one day and how they would be viewed if they went back, you think about like Giuliani going back to like Ground Zero today, like walking around and it would be a very different response than it was on September eleventh or twelfth you know in two thousand and one um, it 's interesting that people who are defining an era, one of the things that happens is the errors change in the past, and that person 's still attached to that previous era
1: and also also perspective changes you know like the the, the notion of what that was you know yeah, there are. There are people who look at the Second World War and they think of FDR as as holding down the fort and then getting ready. And then there are people who say, like, he knew what was going to happen at Pearl Harbor. Or they yeah. knew the you know – don't say that people didn't know about the camps. People were writing about the camps in 1937. Don't act like it wasn't known. You know?
4: The thing that's beautiful is that Picard – I mean, and this is where we begin deconstructing the character in order to build him up again. But Picard – he took a morally righteous stance. He said, "Well, if we're not going to live by the ideals of the federation, then I'm going to pull out altogether." But what he didn't do was then say, "Okay." And then when I step away and the federation does its thing, there's going to be so much damage. Corral but
1: also, damage. too is you. But I also think too is you took another. An, an, a again, I say it's the it's the mega and the meta. Right? Mm-hmm. There's another thing. It's like he had a temper tantrum. You know, yeah. a a loyal soldier mm-hmm. of, of the Federation just didn't like the orders he got, and right. so he decided, yeah, yeah, I know, I don't have to listen anymore. I, I'm the I'm the man. It's like, no, you're not. Like, we all have to listen. That's that's how it works. If you signed up and took that oath, that's how it works. You might not that's want right. to take that hill, but we've ordered you to take that hill. That's but right. the
2: legacy of Kobayashi Baru is that you know you always
1: you, find you a make, way. You make yeah. you the rules, yeah. right? yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's it. He, but he, but he. In this sense, the way we are, where we are now, and four and and him, him face to face, which is rare, that one has to do that. Is like, oh, this isn't like someone wrote a book and told me what happened. They're like, no, that boy standing there.
4: But this is where the story pivots from being a. I guess how would you, how would you characterize a. a uh, this is where it pivots to becoming a redemption story because it really isn't until he sees the consequences of the choice that he understands that he he has to redeem himself.
1: Yeah, well, it's the hero's journey has now begun.
4: Yeah, and he's now on the path of not just being humbled but recognizing, I, I can't stop until I, I make this right. I've been living on my vineyard, pretending everything's fine, convincing myself everything's fine, but people have really suffered and I, I cannot go towards the end of my life knowing that I played a part in that.
1: But here's something I'll tell you that I find, that I find com- nice about this. Nice, maybe not the word I want to use, but is all that happens, and then they get back on the ship, and he snaps at Eleanor. Yes. He's still like, hey, I'm still the man. Yes. Like, oh, you're not going to do that. I, I order you. You can only do this under these circumstances in the future. You will not fight like that. He still can't quite realize that not everyone snaps to attention when he's in the room and that his word is the last word. And, I mean, clearly the series is called Picard, so his word is the last word, but you know what I mean. Like,
3: yeah. Well, I mean, he's got to earn the respect that was just granted to him by his position yeah. when he's the captain of a starship. And he's got to earn it on an individual basis, time and again, from each of these folks. Um, I do think, though, also there's an element of Picard recognizing in Elnor that he, he is a wild creature. And he is absolutely deadly. You know, yeah. when somebody crosses a Guatemala, there is no doubt of what the result will be. So, um, as much as it might be a control issue, I also think it's an issue of um, can't just security. go around killing
4: everybody. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. We
3: that's not who we are. That's not who he is ever going to be. Right. right? He's still um, a. And then,
4: and, and I think at an emotional level, when you talk about meta and. Uh, he becomes the father again. He steps yeah. back or into that role time. when he says that, you know, I think he was the father when he was little, yeah. right. When he's reading that's to right. him and when he's fencing with him, yeah. but he becomes the father again at that point. And I think, so in a weird way, it's satisfying, even though it's also complicated.
1: Well, and that, that's, I think the big part of it, which is, is, and I think we've seen that in these first four episodes is maybe banal to say, but there's no easy answers here. Beam me up, you know, like there, this is, this is playing itself out to that interesting choice for director here my friend <laughs> <laughs> i mean can we talk about it sure i mean jonathan jonathan frank uh, he directs this um that uh, there's so much loaded in there i just uh, we want to know all the we want to know all the gossipy details like we just want to know the whole deal right? well, <laughs> cuz the two of them together i mean i just like the teacher but you know the pupil becomes the master like there's a million clichés i can throw out
4: sure uh, the first thing that is lovely to know is that they had such a great time. Like you could tell that Patrick was just so happy to have his old friend there. And even though they weren't acting in scenes together, which brought another kind of happiness when they finally were to be able to just be back on that familiar ground was, I think really gratifying for both of them. Uh, Jonathan's directed Discovery for us so it wasn't like I mean he's set. a veteran he's this. a veteran yeah, and he, he,
1: he's he, he segued into that in a long films, time ago but in the films too yeah, yeah, but it just, films. I feel like this one though it's kind of like you know it's like De Niro saying hey um, Al can you like you know, go <laughs> yeah. knock the telephone case?" Okay? so like yeah. you know it's like it's like what you're the kid who was like you know it's different
4: mm-hmm. I think also Jonathan is such a sort of an emotional creature you know like he's such a sweet creature and in a story that's a father-son story to have the kind of father-son dynamic, if you could really even call it that, between the director and the star was also quite lovely. It's interesting. That's
1: very Art of War, my friend. (laughs) It really is. It really is.
2: You know, and Jonathan is such a a wonderfully warm guy. Mm -hmm. And and, um, I remember talking to him last year, and I mentioned that in a way, you know, he came to Star Trek, he wasn't a a fan, you know, growing up. He Mm -hmm. he wasn't, uh, he, he was aware of it, but he wasn't, Immersed in it by any means, and and other mem- other members of the next generation cast were, um, and then for him to to step out and become the, uh, a director of film and, and TV uh, with the franchise, um, I asked him if, if, if there was any parallels to your path, mm-hmm. Alice, because you know you you didn't grow up as a big Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. and and you came in through the film, and now uh, you find yourself in this mm-hmm. you know this guardian role. Uh, and he absolutely seized on that. He really, really, really... He's like, absolutely. He sees in you a kindred spirit as far as the, the arc of your Federation time. Connection, yeah. Yeah. Dude.
4: Uh, I I feel it deeply with him as well. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that... And, you know, it's funny. Nick Meyer is the same. Yeah, because he... Nick Meyer is very much the same. It was not his... Star Trek was not really his yeah. thing. And, and But I in a funny way if you listen and you surround yourself with enough people who will tell you, no, no, that you, you really can't break that rule. Right. The objectivity that comes from liking it, not loving it allows you to love it in a different way later. Once you actually start to, to really go there. Yeah. Um, And I feel comfort with Jonathan. I feel like, you know, he innately understands the rules of Star Trek and where the line is. And I think he also understands that I'm looking to push it as much as it can be pushed in a new context. Nobody knows scripture like a convert. Exactly. You know? I think that's, a well, that's very well said. I just made yeah. it up. Well, that's very well and said. <laughs> well, true. That's going to be on a t-shirt next week.
1: <laughs> uh, to, to speak of that, though, to speak of, of, of kind of bringing people we know at the end of this, we all knew she was coming because she was at San Diego. We revealed that like, she's been in San Diego. She's been, been around. But Jerry Ryan shows up as 7 of 9. <coughs> yeah. And I think... I, I felt like it was a jaw dropper. I felt like, oh, here we go. Like <laughs> the cavalry's arrived. Like, and, and I, you know, that that's a terrible cliche because it, the, the cavalry arriving is built into uh, the ugly parts of American mythology as well. But for the, the the good part of it, it's like someone has come who is going to be who is going to be there with him like Raffi is 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 his loyal companion but 7 of 9 is there's so many complexities there and it's Jerry showing up and it's it's this thing how was that in the introduction to this of bringing her in because you guys I mean you know it had it, it was out there you guys didn't hide it you know it wasn't like oh my god here she comes mm-hmm. what's it What? Seven months ago, you told the world she was coming.
2: Mm-hmm. Seven or nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Almost better. Go almost sit, better. Go sit in the corner. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Make your little t-shirts on
3: Etsy. Think about what friend. you just yeah. did. <laughs>
4: I'm sorry. <laughs> you want to take this one?
3: Uh, uh, how long did we like? So the great thing about Seven in terms of Picard, right, is that these are two people who have had this experience that is otherwise fairly unique. Hugh is along with us as well. But in terms of going deep, being humans, being assimilated, having that restored to you, Seven becomes this perfect um, foil character for Picard. And yet, the reality is they've never met each other. And we we were so excited when we sort of realized how you could play with that. And dig in. these are people who are sort of famous in their own way, certainly would know of each other, but yeah. have no real relationship and watching them create a relationship before our eyes.
4: And also what is that, you know, what is that shared trauma in that it doesn't necessarily make you want to be close with that person. It's a little like staring into the sun. It's, it's almost too painful because mm-hmm. that they've shared that, you know, and that is that I think was very interesting to us that they, and they're very different, you know, like Elnor seven. Well, I guess I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin some stuff that's coming in five, but she has beef with him yeah. for the choices that he's made. And, uh and they, oh, I and think,
1: I mean, I, I don't think you're spoiling anything to, I mean, that's, yeah, that's going to yeah. happen. Yeah.
4: Yeah. The, and, and a lot of it is because she's now left to clean up the galaxy because he bailed out. Yeah. And she, in a funny way, like she's the one who, uh, you know, Upheld the principles, even though he sat there with his principles in his vineyard. Exactly. You know? I mean,
1: I, in, in that, she's a superhero, right. and 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 super being a superhero is messy. Mm-hmm. You know, AKA Batman, I guess, is a good example. Spider Man, in many ways. Um,
4: well, in an interesting way, you know, in the opposite of Batman, you know, Batman is rich and has a limitless supply of money, and therefore, and she does not. So, you know, she's a little bit like... Rorschach.
2: Yeah, she's Rorschach.
4: Or she's the cowboy with the horse who doesn't really have anything as he travels from town to town and tries to just get enough to keep going, you know, while doing the right thing in the town. And that's... Seven's a cowboy.
1: At this point, I think it's also fair that we should talk about is... Clearly, the the show's called Picard, so there's a focus to it. But tremendous amount of strong female characters. Mm -hmm. Tremendous... You know, if there was a word like co-leads could mm-hmm. be developed. I think at this point mm-hmm. we're now at the place where we can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison and Michelle and now Jerry. And and I feel like uh, that's very telling of where you guys see this show and how you see it working, both as a show and in 2020 in in this industry.
4: I, I think not just the show, I think this whole Star Trek universe. It's same, same on Discovery. You'll see the same on Section 31. It's... It, it, we're taking what Roddenberry Mary did first, and we're doub- you know doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on it. Um, you'll never see a Star Trek show that we're associated with that doesn't have that, as long as we're doing it.
2: It's interesting too because Seven and Picard. One of the things that it occurs to me is they they may have different views of things, um, but they are the only people that know what the sound of digital information sounds like when it's coming right. through your headpiece, yeah. mm-hmm. and you're part of this huge thing. I mean they. They know uh, the poetry of, of binary language in a way that we don't. And they know.
3: they know the PTSD of it as well. Yes. You know, that's, 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 that's most
2: the, importantly. that yeah, They incredible. could have a conversation that no one else in the universe could have. That's yeah. right.
3: And Picard actually very much needs to have that conversation. And he doesn't know it until they're together. So to, to, kind, of, to kind of
1: wrap up today's podcast, we're now at episode four. Seven of nine has shown up we now have a sense of the stakes we now have a sense of the the geo as well as the geopolitical for uh, intergalactic political um of this um almost halfway through the season where are we going
4: <laughs> that's like a spoiler question that um, way yeah uh, well i think w- i think picard has only begun to understand the ripple effects of his choices and um there are a lot, there's a lot more going on with a lot of the characters than you are initially presented with a lot more. Um, And part of what I think is beautiful about the, the streaming model now, and I guess Damon is really responsible for starting this in Lost because that's the first show that I remember being able to go down many different tributaries and that was obviously a network show where it had, you know, when I mean, you were following by the end, three thousand characters. But you, you, you could say like, this episode we're just going to focus on this character. This episode we're, fo-. and I, I feel like what begins to happen in the narrative is that while it always remains Picard's story, you're going to begin going down tributaries with other characters and learning a lot more about them. Where you know, the next episode in episode five is going to tell you a lot more about seven, you know, cause obviously she just showed up at the end of four. Um, you're going to learn a lot more about Rios. You're going to learn a lot more about Allison. You're going to learn that maybe they all have different reasons for going on this trip than just, than what they presented. You know, some of them may have secrets. Um, and we're going to begin to understand more about what it means for, uh, Soji to be the quote unquote destroyer. And, you know, the other thing that's, that I, was honestly really nervous about in the structure as we were breaking the spine of the season was the idea that it, it was going to take some significant time for Picard to get to the other character to get to Soji and could you run two trains simultaneously? Did you worry?
1: About, did you worry about peaking too early? Conversely,
4: I worried that people would lose interest at a certain point and be like, all right, I want them to be together. And the truth is, I'm not going to tell you if they end up together, but hopefully the stories were interesting enough that they ran in parallel in a way that was, that was revealing, that was intriguing rather than sort of stolly.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I, I think by the nature of the subject matter, I think that it's just a more interesting way of telling a story. I agree. I mean, it's, it's, you, you know, you're not planting one tree and saying, I have a forest. You That's right. To, there's, you have to – there's a lot of seeds out there.
4: And the characters themselves are also interesting that I think you'd feel really short-changed if they were just background players. Yeah. You know, like everyone has real motivation and real depth and dimension. And hopefully you fall in love with everybody and you want to be spending time.
1: And, and with them. also I think too, if you, to distinguish yourself from, from, you know, next gen and, and, and the movies and other things is you don't want to make this Picard's lesson of the week. Oh, oh, God, no. Abandoning a people to die near genocide and become refugees in the galaxy. Bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> abandoning my friends and, and hoping that they'll still work for me, even though I've done nothing to help them. Bad.
4: Well, that's where it would become this kind of over overly simplified, trivialized version of what this is. And we, we don't settle long enough. Once that's made clear to him, there's not any reason to keep
2: reiterating it. Yeah. It's fascinating. And also, with two trains, it's always interesting because they're on the same track.
4: So yeah, like, right, you know, right. it's not
5: like and your train's d- going in a different direction. You're directions. waiting for them to collide.
2: <laughs> yeah. Always yeah. waiting for them to collide. Yeah. Exactly. And now, as promised, we go into extra coverage here. We have our second half. We have Jerry Ryan and we have Jonathan Del Arco, two Star Trek familiars who are back in the universe.
3: That pilot's hailing us, JL. Open a channel.
2: Uh, mm. Open the channel, put
0: him on.
3: He's
5: asking permission to beam over. His ship's
3: breaking up. Nah, too risky. His shields are failing. Ravi, beam him in directly here. Do it. Hello.
5: Got him.
0: Seven of nine.
6: You owe me a ship, Picard
2: you guys go back, right? You guys are friends and that we that are. must be nice mm. to return the Federation space together.
6: <laughs> it really is. <laughs> to the fun. extent
5: that we did, right? And very surreal. Yeah. yeah. How At so surreal?
6: Time. I mean, I said goodbye to this character 20 years ago and you yeah. were more than that. So yeah. I, I really thought I was telling her goodbye. That was it. Um, I didn't envision a scenario where I'd ever come back and do her again and it's, It's kind of amazing to be able to do it with my
5: friends. I know.
6: Is
1: that, though, are there parts of that, and, you know, we've talked to Sir Patrick about this and others involved in the show, is returning, you come with some of the baggage of the character and some of your own of, like, yeah, I did let this go. I mean, for lack of a better expression, we got divorced 20 years ago. Now we're back. How is that from a – maybe I can only think of a NASA term. How is that in terms of reentry?
5: I mean, it's actually kind of uh, looking back at what we did the distance of time is super beneficial because there are chapters that have not been written about both of our characters no one has no, no one has seen or known what we've been through so to some degree we had to make a lot of that up because you know there's no uh, canon, canon story there's books that touch on our lives but what works for you as an actor not what works in a book you got you got to find things that work for you to deliver the material and, fresh, and, you know? And how was that for you guys? You know, I mean, I know that one thing for Alex is it's
1: very important for him to talk, to respect the canon, but not to, not to be held hostage to it. And at the same time, to respect the actors, to, to respect, you know, I know, for instance, you know, we've talked about it, The, the Patrick was a part of the writer's room and stuff like that, to say like, hey, look, you know this character better than anybody else. Right. So d- how much of that was this for you guys? I mean, you show up last week in episode three, you are, you are... You drop in on us like what scant seconds before right, the end. I mean, right. like, and we're going to talk all about more of what happens next week and in five and what have you. And hopefully, Jerry will be able to join us for some of that. But give us a sense about that in terms of like, as you said, like the backstory, the re-educating of that
5: character. Well, we had concerns only because we <laughs> none of us really had scripts. <laughs> about that laugh. We all said, <laughs> <laughs> well, because we, concerns had, we had, and had massive in that, letters in the, yeah, in again, the sky. Well, <laughs> we had a dark night terrifying. of the soul. I'll
6: be more blunt about
5: it. Dark it night of was the soul. Really <laughs>
6: scary. <laughs> How, why? Because any character that you readdress 20 years on, I mean, there's, it's going to be, to an extent, unnerving to go back to it. But in a, in a situation specifically like this, with a fandom that is so passionate and so loyal right. and so knowledgeable about every detail... You don't want to screw it up.
2: They could be unforgiving too. Oh, well, they unforgiving! unforgiving. They'll so, find out
5: where I live. <laughs> they're so loyal
6: and passionate to this franchise. Yeah, you I mean, don't. You don't want to disappoint them. You don't want to screw it up for them. Yeah. Not just that they'll be pissed, but you just you don't you owe it to them to do these characters that have become iconic to them. Justice. But so when
1: you so come, when you come back as seven of nine. Mm-hmm. Um, How do how do you inform that? Because that you know those are those are real concerns. That's not like listen. I need my trailer to be this big. Like that's like I'm putting my face out there for this, and I'm the one who falls if this falls, and I'm the one who soars if this soars. Absolutely. So how did you do that coming into this with Alex and the and the gang and and with Patrick and finding it and with Jonathan? Johnny saved me. (laughs) Really. We, you know, we actors are
5: a community of self helpers, and like I kept saying to her, I just had a week on the show. Do you want me to come over and run lines with you? And she's like, No, I can't. But we figured it out, you know. No,
6: Johnny, no, he's he's underplaying this. He saved my ass <laughs> totally because I was panicking when the first when I finally saw the first script, and I know for this character specifically. Well, here's two. I mean, she was. I had four years of playing a character that was very specific, and she went from being full Borg to being you know, mostly human, but there was a lot of transition, but she was still pretty stylized and specific at the end of that four years. This is 20 years later, and when I saw the first script...
1: Which Michael wrote, by the way. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Not knowing a lot of... We're really not knowing any of the backstory yet, because I hadn't talked to anybody when I finally got the script in any detail... I panicked because I couldn't find her voice. I couldn't hear her in any of this dialogue because it was so different. Her voice was so specific for those four years, partly because of the character, the way it was written and developed, but partly also because Brandon Braga wrote or rewrote most of Seven's dialogue over that four-year period. Not every line, but a lot of it. So it was a very specific voice. And this was so different, so much more casual and human and slangy, and not seven to me. And it was, and I panicked.
2: So, was it the cadence or the content?
6: Everything. Yeah. I was, I, I just panicked, and I think <laughs> because <laughs> the, I can't really tell you exactly what he told me that. I just needed oh, something. You as can tell actor. us
5: exactly what he told yeah, me. Yeah, we're good with that. Yeah. Well, no,
6: I can't of the story. It'll give away. Well,
5: not, no, at not this really. Point. Maybe
6: you actually do know it this not point. Not
5: really. I just said to her, well, we, yeah. we sat around, we read it over and over again, and she was getting up and cooking. She was cooking lunch. <laughs> she kept <laughs> cooking. I, See, I'm, I'm fucked. <laughs> I was like, I'm totally fucked. I'm like, let's calm down. And, and she's like, she's too human. And I'm like, what if, just try this.
6: This was like two hours in the I was this, like, just try way.
5: this. Pretend she's pretending to be more human. Just to fit ah. in. Yeah, he said,
6: me, it, she, What if she makes a conscious choice? Wow, to that's, be that's as like, human as possible. And she did it. She's like, and it, that's that I needed. it was that easy. And I, I think I was just so panicked that I yeah. couldn't see her. That, the that panic. sounds
1: to me like the sort of thing that only A, a friend, right, especially because you're walking around with a knife, uh, <laughs> and, and a fellow actor yeah. could say. And, and he's also and a he, phenomenal director. And, and hear that, in a sense. Yeah. And I had,
5: I had just and gone. what I needed. I, I just, needed that to yeah. grab
6: onto as an actor to make it make sense. And then
5: I just had gone through it because I I guess I'm I, we all know I I come yeah. before you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the previous episodes. You joined us last week. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. So I um you know, I had to figure that out on my own, you know, earlier on in the process and I didn't choose that that way to go. I I chose other things to get me there. But um, you know, we have our bag of tricks as actors to get us to a place where we feel comfortable to just be able to do – you could have done it without that note. It just, you couldn't I just, mentally get there. I was so there. panicked. I think yeah. I just
6: couldn't get past the panic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but
6: let's talk a little bit
1: about that in terms of the return of Hugh. Yeah. So, I mean, your process was clearly a different one. Yeah. But what was that process and what was it within the framework
5: of clearly where this is gone, right. episodes one and two, and where it's going? So they um they were pretty hands off on ter- in terms of telling me how to play the part. Um uh, we were trying to figure out who he had become. How could last time you saw me I was pretty robotic. I was still fully uh you know, with Borg implants and all that. So, and I, the costume I wore on Next Gen was physically restricting. So, it created a lot of that sort of robotic movement on its own. I didn't have that here. And so, I tried a bunch of things and then I decided that I would, I went, I went back and looked at Iborg and I found a couple of physical things that he did that uh, informed, you know, who he would be physically for me. Um, and then I just latched on to the emotional life of where he is now. And invested myself personally in that and kind of let go of the notion that I had to be seamless because 20 years have passed. People change in a year, much less than 20. So allowing all that to kind of happen. And then actually it wasn't until I was on set that first day that it clicked. And I was like, thank God. He he showed up. Yeah, it was like I was on set and he showed up and I, you know, we were shooting and I was like, "Oh my god, this is who he is now. This is amazing. Great. Don't get in don't get in his way. <laughs> Just let it happen." But the sets were so the sets and the art design and the costumes and the makeup and... made it kind of easy to kind of walk that world and you're an actor, you could give yourself to that. And uh it was super fun. I mean, it was very immersive, you know. <laughs> It's fascinating what the Borg represent
2: and what they've always represented in the stories and in the saga. Um, do you think what they represent has changed this time? Do you do you find more complexity in in the threat and and the,
5: the oh, yeah. nature of it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you're gonna, its a whole new world. Get, it it really it will—it's gonna flip the tables on a lot of. And you know, I Borg and and Jerry's character did that already on the in the canon because we were not threats, but. There are a ton of complexities. There are a ton of table flipping on who's enemy, who's not in the world that we're in. And that's kind of really fun to play. You know, you
1: know we talked about this when we were at uh, Comic-Con with you guys in San Diego uh, last summer. But I-, I wanted to really get a sense from you guys. You know, Jonathan, you you show up in episode three. Mm-hmm. And Jerry, you show up at the end of four. and 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 But – Everyone's known that you guys are coming. It's been well publicized when you guys – from the moment you stepped on stage in Hall H that this was going to happen and hugely anticipated, clearly. What has it been like from the other end for you guys? Because there is always this period between when the world discovers something – and then there's the press tour, and then this, and then that. And now, you know, it was on January 23rd the show finally debuted, and now you guys come in as weeks go by. Yeah. What is that time? It's like you're like the you're like dual Captain Americas in suspended yeah. animation. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah.
6: You
5: are in the Star Trek ice. Yeah.
6: We, if we, that's what it feels like. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been it seems weird. Like it's been forever.
5: Yeah. It has been forever. <laughs> so it's surreal. Since it's we've, it's we've known we were doing out. the show, it's been really forever.
6: Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because we were approached well over a year ago yeah. when we so. first heard about the possibility of this happening
5: i had a Um, interesting like we we went to i went to do adr which is when you loop over your lines you may not have said or that got messed up and uh it was a really big scene i was looping and i saw it i was like okay this is great and now this is my last moment of doing any of this for this season and i got home and i was like okay now it's time to let it go because It's out of my hands. (laughs) The choices are made. It's going to be on screen. People are going to respond one way or another. So let it go and have fun at the parties.
1: so once again we thank you so much for joining us we know that you Picard fans you know you want to know as much about what's going on with the show on screen and off screen and we hope that we are doing you a service uh, fan service and otherwise as always we want to thank our amazing guests especially Jerry and Jonathan for showing up for a special treat today Um, and that is well we're almost halfway through the season next week is episode 5 and it really is engaging isn't it oh you just went there too I mean we should have a drinking game of how many times you can say engage because now that Patrick said at the end of episode 3 it's kind of a free-for-all get the Romulan ale it's time all right for- well please join us next week on our Star Trek Picard podcast that always drops at 2 p.m pacific time about 14 hours after Picard's the latest episode drops on CBS all access we are primed and ready to go
0: anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect